following programme contains truth, half-truth and nothing like the truth. This fictional comedy is based on highly unlikely apocryphal rock and roll tales and any resemblance to actual events is purely coincidental. For silly rights reasons, we've had to take all of the original tracks by the band out of this podcast. Hello and welcome to Rock and Ori. Rock and roll stories for people who don't have or need a bedtime. This is Trying to Get Blood Out of a Stone, Chapter 1. Once upon a time, in a crossfire hurricane, five young men set out to become four old men, and in doing so, did exactly that because one of them died. Brian was his name, but before he left the band due to not being alive any more differences, he created one of the grittiest sounding rock blues combos of all time with his friends Keith, Mick, Charlie and Bill. The majority of them stayed alive plenty long enough to have many adventures, rolling the stones of life this way and that, this way pertained to drugs, that way was something to do with Mars bars. Until one day in 1973 or thereabouts, Keith told his friend Mick that he wasn't feeling very well. Hey, hey Mick, I think I'm coming down. Of course you are, Keith. Here, have a Mars bar. No need to worry, it's fresh out of the pan. No, 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 Mick, let me finish. I mean, I'm coming down with something, like, like an illness. I, I feel all shivering. She's so cold, emotional rescue, 1980. I really don't feel well, Mick. Oh, I might be sick in some of my stylish fedora hat. Well, Keith, I'm not surprised. You've been burning the candle at both ends, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. And then but... using those ends to set light to a candle factory. Yeah, I oh, know. I haven't mate. finished. Then, now that candle factory's on fire, that the candle factory falls over and sets fire to the cathedral next door. And that cathedral is also full of lit candles and they all burn from both ends to end in the middle. Yeah, me, yeah. Still not finished. Then a shiny red fire engine turns up, but instead of water, somebody's filled their buckets with more burning candles, so they throw those on the fire, and they also burn from both ends and in the middle. But by then, it's all too late, isn't it? And the resultant inferno has rendered candles, candle factory and cathedral full of candles to a state resembling nothing more than a waxy puddle. And that's you, man. Waxy puddle. A waxy puddle in a hat. A stylish fedora hat. Yeah, sure, whatever. Mick was right. She's So Cold is from the Emotional Rescue album, 1980, although that was seven years after this story took place. Meanwhile, back in 1973, Keith's debauchery was starting to take its toll on the band, and it was time for some tough, strong love. Love is strong voodoo lounge, 1994. Now listen here, Keith. We gotta go on our European tour. We need to get you on a detox programme, don't we? No booze, no drugs. No, no, no. Do you know what? Now you mention it, I'm feeling much better. In fact, I'm absolutely fine. Oi, mind my authentic vintage 1957 round badge maple gretsch drum kit? Yeah, sorry, Charlie. You see, Keith had a penchant for drugs and alcohol. He could not, it seems, get no satisfaction without them, and so it was that the world surrounding the stones had become as murky as the swimming pool in which Brian Jones had permanently left the band. Yet with the band due to begin a tour, Keith constantly falling over into Charlie's authentic vintage 1957 round badge maple Gretsch drum kit. Hey, you! Get off of my drums! Sorry, Charlie. Was a big problem. Touring with Keith in this state seemed like an impossible dream. Wait, someone say Charlie? 
Oh, I think it was me. I don't mind if I do. Oi! No, Keith! Don't take it! Leave it! Take it or leave it aftermath 966. We've got to do something! Bill Wyman, brackets, bass guitar, clothes, brackets, any ideas? Sure. What if we send him to an expensive Swiss clinic for a highly unusual, not to say largely unbelievable, kind of detox? No! I know! What if we send him to an expensive Swiss clinic for a highly unusual, not to say largely unbelievable, kind of detox? Typical bass player Bill, always coming in at the wrong time, know what I mean? And so it was that the remaining Rolling Stones gathered their friend from under a broken floor tom and decided that they really needed to get him clean so that they could start up their tour again. Join us tomorrow. Tuesday. Yeah, Ruby Tuesday. The Rolling Stones greatest hits, 1977. When Keith embarks on a detox like no other. To be continued. Hello, this is Rockinori. Rock and roll stories for people who don't have or need a bedtime. This is Trying to Get Blood Out of a Stone, Chapter 2. Mick Jagger was on a plane on the way to Switzerland with his friend Keith Richards. Beneath his stylish fedora hat, Keith was feeling a bit under the weather, so to save their tour, Mick was escorting him to a mysterious clinic high in the Alps. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome aboard flight 505 to Geneva. This is your captain speaking, and very shortly the cabin crew will be passing through the aircraft with a range of drinks and snacks. Flight 505, aftermath 1966. Air Keith, do you want a tiny complimentary bag of pretzels? Ah, just a gin and tonic for me, Mick. A big bottle of gin, no tonic. No, Keith! You can't always get what you want. Let it bleed, 1969. Oh, come on, man. Come on, just the one litre. No! By way of hammering home some exposition, we're on our way to a Swiss detox clinic to get you mended, so you can go on tour without falling into Charlie's drum kit. Do you think they'll be able to remove this? If you hadn't been so out of it, you wouldn't have landed on it and it wouldn't have got stuck up there now, would it? So sit down, put your seatbelt on and have a tiny little pretzel. I can't sit down. There's a high hat stand jammed up me... Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Geneva. That was a quick flight. Driving too fast to Big Bang 2005. Switzerland is famous for all kinds of things. Army knives, chocolate, cuckoo clocks, chocolate knives and cuckoo clocks. And that clinic where people go to be assisted to death. But it was a very different clinic that Keith was booked into. One that promised a cleansing therapy like no other. On their menu, amongst the hot stone elbow baths and the incense-infused mud-scrubbed chambers offered just under the Balinese body burnish with a bubble jet ink wrap, was this treatment. A complete, whole-body blood transfusion and manicure. Uh, hold on a minute. A what? Shush your face, Keith. Let the narrator explain. Let's just take a moment to think about that. A complete blood transfusion. All of the nasty old dirty blood that was full of drugs and gin and pretzels taken out, all of it, and then replaced with fresh, clean new blood so that in no time Keith would be as right as rain. It's basically the medical equivalent of deleting all the music from your phone and starting again, but not including anything by Shed 7. As they disembarked the aircraft, Mick and Keith got into a waiting car. Black limousine, tattoo you, 1981, oh yeah! And with that, and also with Keith flicking pretzel dust off the rim of his hat, they were whisked by a mysterious driver Hello. to a mysterious clinic way up in the mountains. The road rose higher and higher and so did Keith 
as the altitude made all the junk in his system slosh about like a goldfish in a bag at the fair. Suddenly, from deep in the forest, there came a strange sound. Yeah, Keith, what's that noise? I saw the junk in my system sloshing about like a goldfish in a bag at the fair. No, not that. That sounds like a howling wolf. From the London Blues Sessions 965. No, you wouldn't get an influential American bluesman all the way out here. There. Werewolf. Where? There. What? There. There, wolf. There, clinic. And what was that noise? Sorry, that was uh, me shifting my bum on the seat. I also fell onto an organ. And with that, as the mist swirled around the turrets, Mick and Keith arrived at the mysterious mountain clinic. The driver... Goodbye. ...plays no further role in the story. The sense of foreboding hung heavy in the air. A heavy automated glass sliding door stood before the stones. What would they find within? And exactly how, or who, was going to remove Keith's blood and completely replace it with new stuff? Too much blood undercover, 1983. Find out tomorrow in the next instalment of Rockanori. Welcome to Rockanori, rock and roll stories for people who don't have or need a bedtime. This is Trying to Get Blood Out of a Stone, Chapter 3. Barely noticing the wrong sound effect for a glass sliding door, Mick and Keith entered the mysterious clinic's modern lobby and made their way to reception. Keith, who was due to have all his blood replaced to help him get clean, was understandably nervous, so much so that the instrument stuck up his bottom clanged and jangled as he walked. That wasn't me. No, it was me dinging the bell, Keith. Look, you sit on the floor and I'll find someone. Hello? Reception? Ding! Yeah, at the tolling bell. Can't you hear me knocking sticky fingers, 1971? Keith sat down, taking care not to dislodge his bum instruments. Suddenly, as if by magic, the receptionist appeared. She was an imposing, severe lady with a heap of tightly bound plaits on her head and she had a hunched front, which is like a hunchback only in a different place. When she spoke, it was clear she had a clichéd accent of the type you'd expect in a contrived scenario such as this. Sir, you cannot just leave your pile of clothes in the reception area like this. What's that terrible hat? Yeah, this isn't a pile of clothes. It's me pal Keith from the stones. You cannot leave a bag of bones on the floor. No, stones. Stones! Heart of stone, out of our heads, 1964. Bones are stones. We collect rubbish on Tuesday. You can leave it out front. It's a stylish hat. What was that? Uh, a high hat. I fell on a drum kit. The receptionist stared at them over her hunched front. She was not impressed. This is silly with your silly hats. We are a very busy facility. Do you have a reservation? Yeah, Mick and Keith. A complete blood change for him and a spa treatment for me. Maybe some Hot Rocks. Hot Rocks compilation album, 1964 to 1971. Silence! This is a mysterious Swiss clinic, not a house for neat tweets. Your room is ready. Do you need help with your bag of... Your bag of... Friend? No, he can walk. Just let me get him up. Oh, I Slowly... Oh, my man. Your treatments begin at 5am sharp. 5am sharp, got it. No, I mean, that looks sharp. That high hat sticking out. Aye, it only hurts when I walk. 
All set. All stand. The nurse will remove it along with all your blood. Do not worry, Mr. Bag of Stones. You will leave this mysterious Swiss clinic high in the Alps feeling like a new man. Here is a menu of our other available spa treatments. Oh, more hot rocks. More hot rocks. Second compilation album, a.k.a. Big Hits and Faith Cookies, 1972. And with that, our intrepid duo were shown to their room and went to bed. Their European tour was in the balance and everything depended on the next day when at 5am sharp... Keith would be drained and replenished, allowing the band to come rolling and rocking back into glory. Tune in tomorrow night when the staff of a mysterious Swiss clinic high in the Alps literally try to get blood out of a stone. Welcome to Rockanori, rock and roll stories for people who don't have or need a bedtime. This is Trying to Get Blood Out of a Stone, Chapter 4. It was 5am, and the sound of Swiss cowbells from a sound effects website floated in through the window of the bedroom where Mick and Keith were asleep. The big day had arrived, and with a knock on the door, so had a large orderly. It was his job to take Keith to the lab. Wish me luck, Mick. Miss you! Some girls, 1977. The orderly, who didn't speak due to the escalating cost of casting actors for this, flung Keith over his shoulder. And while Mick enjoyed his breakfast in bed... Yeah! Can I get some brown sugar for me coffee? Brown sugar sticky fingers, 971. The silent orderly carried Keith down to the lab and placed him carefully on the transfusion table. Careful of my stylish hand. We meet again, Mr Bag of Bonestones. Keith looked up. It was the receptionist from the previous night, but now she was wearing a nurse's outfit across her hump and carrying a large syringe. Keith said... Are you the receptionist from last night? She replied, I am, but because of the budget for this, there is only one speaking part in the clinic scenes, so I will be also the nurse. Trousers down! As she closed the curtain, so we too will place a veil over this delicate specialist medical procedure. Suffice to say that in the time it took Mick to finish his breakfast... The goat said soup's delicious. Goat said soup's Judo album, 1973. Keith underwent a procedure to remove both all of the dirty blood from his body and the hi-hat crash symbol and floor tom from where they had become lodged. And once Keith was just a pile of wrinkled skin on the floor... With a stylish hat. It was just a simple matter of replacing all the bad blood with good, clean, wholesome blood from the nearest available stockist. which fortunately they had in stock. 5,000 millilitres of pure, unadulterated, clean-cut Christian pop rock plasma, thanks to... Undiluted Osmond blood. We have Donnie, Marie, little Jimmy, and the two others that no one can remember. For those still confused, the Osmonds, Donnie, Marie, little Jimmy, and the other two that nobody can remember, were a singing Mormon family from the 1970s. Wikipedia suggests that Donnie Marie had a Las Vegas residency until 2019. I'm not sure about any of the rest. Very pure blood, these Osmonds. No scandals, no drugs, love their families, faithful to their wives. The only thing crazy about them was their horses. For those still confused, Crazy Horses was a huge 1972 hit for the Osmonds. From the album of the same name, Keith was cured. It's a relief to get that out. Yeah, Keith, now we can go on tour and our horses are wild. Wild horses, sticky fingers, 1971. It turned out it was easy to get blood out of a stone after all. 
Join us next time when we tell a story on Rock and Ori. Rock and Ori was written by John Holmes and Gareth Keredig, with additional material by Charlie George. The narrator was Sean Keaveney, with the voices of Alistair Beckett King, John Colshaw, Naomi MacDonald, and Jake Yap. Original music by Jake Yap and Nick Bosworth. Technicals by Tony Chanside. It was produced and directed by John Holmes and was an unusual production for Absolute Radio, supported by the Audio Content Fund.